Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. power of the cross. That's our new series, The Power to Change Your Life. We talked about the principles um, and the power of vision last month. Uh, Within that message, of course, we uh, talked about your personal vision and the corporate vision, the church. And we talked about destiny, how to fulfill your destiny and your calling in God by understanding the the power of vision. Well, we're talking about the power of the cross and there's keys within that There's benefits for you to change if you understand that. Change is a principle of creation. In short, everything changes through seasons and time. We are changing whether you like it or not. Uh, Miles Munro says we generally experience four types of change in life. Change that happens around us. Change that happens to us. Change that happens within us. Change that we make happen. Bible says we're supposed to be growing glory to glory. Now listen to me, I'm talking about change. I I know this to be true from my own life. Glory to glory. I've seen people stunted, stymied. I've seen people go backwards. I used to be with born-again believers, spirit-filled, on fire, glean in their eye, wanting to lay hands on the sick, wanting to do great stuff for the church, wanting to, to bless God in all manner of ways, wanting to give Him glory. And then I've seen them fall out of God, fall out of church, fall out of the fellowship called, for, called the kingdom. And then I've seen them down the shopping center. I've actually run into them maybe 10 years, 15, 20 years later. And they've come up to me and said, Phil, how are you doing? And I know I know them, but I, I don't recognize them because... I don't know if it's because the shutters are down and I can't see if the, 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 the light of who they really are. You know, the Bible says the light is, the eyes are the light of the, you know, the windows to your soul. And, and they're looking at me, but I don't recognize them. And I walk away and I say, Jules, who was that? But you know those people, they were in our connect group. Man, they, they, they did communion message. They, man, that guy had an idea how to evangelize the Central Coast. And, and, and then we find out they just went backwards. They went back into the world. And you can. And you will visibly be different. Especially the, the born-again believers who have a spirit of discernment. One of the key things that you get when you're saved is that you have a spirit of discernment. To know bad things and know good things. So that you can actually see and determine what's good and bad and don't use that for judgment. Oh, look at that person. They're a rascal. Well, hang on. That, you're not supposed to say stuff like that. You're supposed to pray for them, get them saved, and you're not supposed to be dodging and weaving all the bad people either, amen? You're supposed to be loving on them and accepting them. Love, acceptance, forgiveness, amen? And so we know that they've got problems. You know, you obviously can see that. It's not hard to see. Uh, but at the same time, Jesus always dignified people with loving them. No one felt like a, uh, a scallywag before him, not even the worst sinner. They, they just love to flock to Jesus, and they should flock to C3 Togra and flock to us uh, because they feel dignified, not because they feel like a scallywag. Amen? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, 
who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. Uh, I want to talk about it at the end. We're going to say a prayer at the end to unveil. The Bible says there's veils over people's minds. Uh, Paul talks about three veils over the mind, over the heart, and over the eyes. And that's why people can't see the gospel. That's why people can't see. And, and see, one of the key things is, and we all with unveiled faith, they've got to lift the veil off the mind, see God, see Christ high and lifted up. People can't see that in the world. People who don't choose to believe by faith can't see Christ at the right hand of the Father. They, they, they just think he's some guru or some great teacher or whatever or some philosophical view on life. No, he is Christ, the risen one. He's the king of glory, the prince of peace, the alpha and the omega, amen. But people who are veiled, in their, on the, whether it be their minds, their eyes, their heart, so we, we need as believers to see those veils lifted so that we can contemplate the glory, the Lord's glory, and be, here's the key word, transformed or changed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, I want to go line by line. Is that cool? Because I've got a lot of new believers in the house. And we want to start this march, start the station to station, Della Rosa, station to station. That's all the, that was all the key elements that Jesus went through to reach the cross. We want to start at the first station. We want to leave the platform of salvation and go through Easter and reach Easter with a crescendo of worshiping him and, and praising him and laying our life down for him all over again. Amen? Who wants to do that? Who wants to go station to station? Who just wants to go to one station? That's it. Look, I just, I just want one station. I just want, to, just want heaven. I just want to go to heaven. That's, I don't want any, I don't want any more. Bible says we've been transformed into the likeness of Christ from, from glory to glory. The word changed and is a Greek word, metamorpho. Meta, the first part of that word of metamorpho, meta carries the idea of an exchange, while the word metamorpho is the Greek for a person's outward form. And together, the compound word means to transfigure, to transform one's appearance. The word appears in the Old Testament, but it appears in the New Testament four times, four times. And it's used to describe the transfiguration of Jesus. So Matthew 17, verse 2, you can take these down. If you've got a Bible notepad, please write these down. I'll be moving fairly quickly. But there he was transfigured, talking about Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. Clothes became as white as as the light. Mark 9.2 says it like this. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. Paul also uses the word in Romans 12 verse 3, and he talks about transforming of the minds. You've heard the scripture, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. This is going to be a great message. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Say transformed. Say changed. So every time I say transformed, it means changed. By the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And again, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate 
the Lord's glory are being transformed, changed. That's why you need to worship God. Whatever you worship, you become. Do you know how some people look like their dogs? I don't know how that happens, but they're walking along their dog, and you go, man, you just, anyway, sorry, just couldn't help but notice you look like someone, anyway. I don't know, but they tell me whatever you worship, you become. Uh, um, and so be careful what you worship. You might end up looking like your house or, or, or a great car. Or, or you may, might end up, you know, looking like Beyonce or someone like that or JJY or whoever they are. I don't know. Those, those mafia guys. <laughs> There is no doubt that the word changed speaks of actual, real transformation of our minds and even our outward appearance. So the Holy Spirit will actually let you know through the Word of God that you can actually change. If you read the Bible, if you read the B-I-B-L-E, the Holy Spirit will, will, will take that Word and apply it to your life. I say, if you open your B-I-B-L-E and, and you start reading it, it's not the Reader's Digest coming at you with just... Um, cerebral knowledge it, it, it's the two-edged sword it cuts down deep between soul and marrow right dividing asunder those things that are good and not good and revealing what is of God and what's not God and, and allowing you to realize maybe who you are and who Christ is in you too I mean the mirror of the word in James is not all about just you know picking out all the the scallywag stuff in you it's about seeing Christ in you now, if you don't see Christ in your life, you need to look in the mirror of the Word. Because mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Jesus in you. Fantastic. And Jesus and you because you're in Him. Slash tag in Him. Amen? See, so if you don't be looking in, in, in the mirror, if you don't be looking in the mirror for a couple of days, that's not good for a woman. That's not good for even a modern-day metro guy these days. You're going to be looking disheveled. You've probably got something on your face you don't know about, uh, and your hair's all sticking up because, you know, it's... Anyway, look in the mirror of the Word. You'll love it. The power to change your life is what this message is about. Lord, help me. What would you like to change about yourself? Question mark. Would you like to be more confident, more relaxed? Perhaps you'd like to be more outgoing, less anxious, or less fearful? Most of us are interested in changing because there's room for improvement. Can I get an amen? I, I, said, I, I got a word this year, I believe it was right at the start of the year, and, and, and the Lord said, tell it to the church. Personal development. Do something this year that talks about you personally developing. Maybe it's your finances. Your finances are just not going anywhere. Maybe you need to work out what you, you know, I just did something with my super. My super was laying dormant. It wasn't doing anything. Uh, and I've just put it in a high-risk super. I'm not giving you any financial advice either. Don't do this, please. Uh, but, but I've got to catch up for lost years of birthing a church where I hardly got paid. Amen. Now I've got to do more risk-taking in trying to get myself some super for my precious wife and I. So whatever the Lord, and the Lord told me that. He said, do that. I took it to the Lord. 
my mind's been renewed. I'm able to test and approve what God's good, pleasing will is while I'm sitting before the financial planner. And he says, he gives me this game plan, more risk. Are you into that? Yeah, I'm into risk. Uh, faith is called R-I-S-K, amen. And, and I'll do that. And man, I just had 3,000 dropped in my super account yesterday. Praise God. And I've lost money too. I mean, it's not all good news, but I'm slowly, I'm slowly, <laughs> I'm slowly getting ahead. Number one question that a pastor will get asked, why can't I change? I want to change, people say. I really do. I don't know how. The question is that they feel, the thing is that they feel they don't have power to change. They go to conferences, great conference. I'm looking forward to the President's Conference. I love that. He's the, he, he, that Samuel Rodriguez is the most outstanding voice on the planet right now. He's awesome. You do diets, you join health clubs, uh, but the enthusiasm runs out after about two weeks. You fall back into the rut. Uh, you don't change. Even self-help books are telling you to get rid of this, get rid of that bad habit, be positive, don't be negative. But at the end of the day, it, it, it doesn't give you the power to change, amen. It doesn't give you the ability to change. It's all about discipline and toughing it out. I can say this, in God, God can give you the power. It's like the wind in your sails. I mean, the most magnificent feeling is sailing. Pat is in the house. She's not been well. Give it up for Pat. And, uh, and her son is the best sailor in Australia, probably in the world. Now, he understands sailing. He understands how to put sails up, where the wind's blowing, and he's able to capture that wind and sail at great knots and not just race around a paddock, but get to the Sunshine Coast if he has to, or to Hobart if he has to, which he's done in record time, eight times, I think. And so it's a bit like that. When you're saved, you do receive power. If you make a choice to go on a diet to improve yourself in some way, you feel this feeling. And I only felt it back in 83 when someone took us out on a, on a yacht off the coast of Cairns and, and, um, and we got off the coast. Uh, we're just puttering out there. But when he put the sails up, <laughs> the sails unfurled and what's that sound? What's the best sound that you could make for sail when the wind hits? <laughs> just, just pop and, and we're sailing. I went, my God, not by motor, not by might, not by power, but by the wind of the Spirit, by the wind of God. We're moving along at great knots. It was the most magnificent feeling. And I think for a born-again believer, it's exactly the same. When you decide to do something, a uni course, when you decide to do something personally, as a personal development, in God, with resurrection power, you can change. There's no other way you could fast for me without the power of God in your life. There's no other way. You can do it in the power of God. How do I get the power of change? How do I get my life out of neutral? How do I break out of the mold that I'm in? Good news, Christianity offers the power, say power, that we need. You can have resurrection power. It mentions it 57 times in the New Testament. It's a used, it's a word used to, uh, to describe the most powerful event that ever happened, an event that separated A.D. from B.C. The event was the resurrection, amen, of Jesus Christ from the dead. Who can say amen to that? Hey, listen, guys, when we say a statement like the event was the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, yes, sir, 
no effect. They're Aussies, are they? If I'd said that in a black church, praise God, preacher brother, whoa! You've got to elicit some response. Maybe just, yeah, or uh, whoa. Uh, you know, there's many forms of responding. Uh, clap, go, man, or whoa. Uh, hallelujah, brother. But, but, but when you commit to a statement like that, by the volition of your own will, faith without deeds is dead. I worship the way I worship because I'm expressing my faith to God. I am moved by this powerful music. I am moved by the worship. I'm moved by the presence of God. I am moved by the Word. I am moved by Jesus Christ dying, buried, raising from the dead on the third day. I'm moved by that. I'm moved. I cannot let a statement like that go by. It's scandalous for the church to let that go by so willingly. We must interject when we can. We must say, praise God, or wow, something, clap, do something, stomp your feet, clap your hands if you're happy and you know it. The event was the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. <laughs> and that resurrection power is available to change your life. Is that good news? The most important thing in life is knowing Christ and experiencing the power of His resurrection. I'm going to change the culture of this church, promise me. We need a word up there. Help me with it. We'll put it up there. Audience participation. Paul writes, I want to know Christ and the power, say power, of His resurrection. There it is. It's loaded. Take it home. Highlight it. Underline it. Sleep on it. Live with it. Walk it out. Speak it. I want to know Christ. If anyone asks you, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. There's a bit of Samuel Rodriguez right there. And the power of resurrection. Do you want me to do that? Do you want me to yell at you? Is that, is that what you want me to do? Do you want me to do that? And experience the power of His resurrection. Paul writes, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Woo! In another letter writes, I'm getting something from the back. I don't know if he's mocking me or they're agreeing with me. I pray that you will understand how incredibly great His power. I know you're helping, Haddon. I know you're helping. <laughs> I pray that you will understand another scripture, Ephesians 1.19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. Oh my God, we just stop here. Let's all go home. We're done. Okay, you know what I mean? We're done. We're done. What else can I say? The greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. See, just pause there. Who believe Him. This is the same mighty power the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. So we used to get taught this sort of stuff when we, when we got saved, you know, in the 80s. I don't know what we're doing now, doing Reader's Digest, how to better your life and stuff, but we've got to get back to the cross. There's power in the cross. There's power in sharing about the cross. That's why last sun, Sunday night, 
when I got up and shared exactly what we're doing, we're memorializing, we're symbolizing the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the waters of baptism, you could hear a pin drop. Every, you know, like we had 130, 40 people in the house. I don't know who they were, all these visitors, lots of visitors of our good friends. And, uh, and when I said that, but that captivated them. It was probably the most powerful thing I could have said. Amen? It was the most powerful thing I could have said. And then the place was spellbound. Not a great terminology, but spellbound. The whole night, God was swirling around and people were mesmerized. Do you know how hard it is to spellbound and capture people's attention these days? When movies are knocking you up to feel something, some emotional value, apparently the formula is every two minutes. A movie cannot go by for two minutes or more without giving you a thrill, a spill, or some, some sensation. You should be either crying, laughing, dancing. There should be some emotion being elicited from your life after two minutes. Do you know how hard it is to be a preacher? When he, you know, he can't tell jokes all the time, or some do, but, and they do it wisely, but some unwisely. But. <laughs> so this, great, this Greek word for power, dunamis, so when we say power, you need to have some explanation. Paul uses the Greek word for power, dunamis. Say dunamis, which is the root word of dynamite. Say dynamite. So Paul is saying God wants to give you the dynamic power in your life, the power that can change your life, Yes, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead 2,000 years ago is available right now to transform your weaknesses into His strength. The Bible describes resurrection power as the power to cancel your debt, cancel your past, the power to conquer your problems, and the power to change your life. God's power will cancel your past. Resurrection power is the power to cancel your past. It's talking about your failures, your mistakes, your sins, your regrets. When I say cancel, I'm not talking about denying the past as it never happened. The word cancel means to eliminate, neutralize, nullify, or offset something. Now, for your home renovators, have you ever gotten through a project and wish you could start over again? You painted the living room, you step back and look at the color and look perfect on the sample chart on the wall. However, it doesn't look perfect. You wish you could just start over. A lot of people feel that way about life, wouldn't you say? We've all made mistakes and we just wish we could wipe them out. Things happen, look, we're, you know, stuff happens just by default of living on planet Earth. The failures, the problems, the bad decisions, we've all suffered from them. So people just can't seem to let go sometimes of the past. And as a result, they, the past actually limits them. That's why in the waters of baptism, we pray off that stuff. We pray in the waters of baptism that all that past is dead, buried, done, and then they can rise up in resurrection life. And of course, you see those people living in constant regret. They continually say, if only I had done that, or if I only had made these changes, they always second guess themselves. They are tormented by painful memories. I blew it. I'm not going to be, now I'm going to be paying for it for the rest of my life. But God says in his infinite wisdom, you don't have to wear that. It's unnecessary for you to go around with that heavy load of guilt. 
old hurts, memories, mistakes. You don't have to. Colossians 2.14 says he has forgiven all our sins, cancelled every record of the debt that we had to pay. He did it by allowing Christ to be nailed to the cross. How does it say it? Having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That's why you really got to, you got to hang everything off your whole Christian life. You got to hang it off that hook of what Christ did on the cross. Don't hang it off anything else, not even this wonderful church, not even your best friend, not your wife, not, not even the best preacher on the planet. You need to hang your whole life off the cross of Calvary. Amen. You need to, if, it, if, if that doesn't elicit a response, Christ crucified on the cross for you personally, not just for the whole world, for God so loved the whole world that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting. That seems like, oh, that's just for everyone else. Yeah, I'll, I'll get into that crowd. That's just a big crowd. Seven billion people. Yeah, I'm part of that. You know, or three billion saved. Uh, I'm part of that. See, you can easily divorce yourself from that personal, but he took you, the theology is, he took you to the cross and died for you on the cross. Instead of you, he went on the cross. A bit like the guy in the army who throws himself over the barbed wire fence and, and there's a beachhead, they're invading a foreign land and the guy says, well, it looks like it's up to me and the, and, and the mate, because that's what mates are. Mates are ones who would do this sort of stuff. That's where the word mate come from. They would protect each other, defend each other. That's why uh, an older guy can actually, if you call him mate, he actually could uh, rebuff you and say, you're not my mate. Because that mate was used in, in, in terms of they really are their mate. Colossians 2.14. Jesus Christ knows the things you've done wrong. But he did not come to rub them in. He came to rub them out. He did not come to condemn you. He came to change you. Clean slate. I don't know if you've seen those etch-a-sketch boards. You can start again. You can just wipe it clean and start again. That's what actually you can do through Christ. He wipes the slate clean. And Jeremiah 31, 34 says it like this. Jeremiah 31, 34. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Now here it is. Here's the kicker. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. One of the most radical statements in the Bible. I mean, if you were to die and, and, and go to heaven and try and remind God of what you'd done, he'd go, what are you talking about? And he's all-knowing, all-infinite, all-omnipotent, omnipotent, omniscient. He's all that, but he forgets our sin. He chooses to throw them in the deep blue sea. And the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, he forgets. He's cancelled your past, set you free to get on with the present. Why God, why God can cancel your past? We, we need to know this. When, when Jesus said, died, and made one of his, well, before he died, made one of his last statements on the cross, he said, it is finished, John 19.30. In the Greek, that one word, that one word is, uh, tetelistia, I think it is, literally meaning Greek word, paid in full, cancel, cancel. 
It was actually a word that merchants used on, wrote on bills when things were paid up, meant, and it meant this, telelistia meant paid in full. Say paid in full. And it was stamped on a document concerning a prison sentence that had been commuted. Meaning if you're in court and you're going for a row, Christ stood up and said, I'm going to pay that. Let him go. And well, okay, if you say that, sir, they can go. That's what happened to us. So Jesus died on the cross, paid our sin in full. Romans 8.1 tells us, therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We need to stop crucifying ourselves, we, because he was hung up for your hang-ups, we need to get on with it and live for the future. Amen? The question is, if God forgets us in that moment you confess it, don't you think you ought to forget it too? How long do you remember a bill after you paid it? I love this. I forget my bill as soon as they're paid. That's it. That's done. I don't worry about last month's electric bill. Amen? It's done. Someone has said that when we give God all our mistakes and failures, and I'm sure you've heard that, he throws them into the deepest sea, the deepest blue sea, then he puts a sign on it, no fishing. He doesn't want us to dredge up that sin. Paul says, forgetting what is behind, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. However, oftentimes we short-circuit that by constantly regurgitating the past, amen, and bringing it up. Some people say, some people get asked, how are you doing? They say, yeah, I'm doing okay, but under the circumstances. Hey guys, you shouldn't be under the circumstances. You should be over. Someone said, like, your circumstances should be like a mattress. When you're lying on the mattress, when you're lying on the mattress, it's, it's restful. It's restful. You, you sleep under your mattress. I don't know about you, but my mattress is like that. You sleep under your mattress, it's going to suffocate you. Your circumstances are going to suffocate you. Lay down. You're not under the circumstances. Don't say you're under the circumstances. It's like saying, oh man, there's dark clouds over me. I'm under the weather, whatever. If you're always talking about your problems, don't be surprised if you live in perpetual defeat. Christ paid an amazing price for you to be set free. Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And then he answers it in verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors. Actually, the implicitness of that conqueror in the real language is super, what is it? Super conquerors. That's the message. That's the message of the resurrection and the heart of the good news. I love this in Acts 4 records the first serious opposition of the apostles preaching. When the authorities threatened them, they banded together and prayed. Notice what they prayed. They didn't ask God to stop the opposition, but rather to give them supernatural boldness in the face of the opposition. I'm talking about God overcoming your problems. This is what I'm talking about. Resurrection power, giving you power to overcome your problems. Acts 4.29 says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants, enable your church, enable these people right here, right now to speak your word with great boldness. And he did. Acts 4.31. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Say shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Next, God's power will change you. 
it will change your personality. If it's awkward, if it's, if it's prickly, if, if it's not endearing to winning people to Christ, it can change you, but it can change your life. God uses a process. God uses a two-step process. The first one is, you know it, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new has come. Right there is the turning point for you to not be the same ever again and to live a new life. The Bible calls it being born again. Being born again doesn't mean we're being reincarnated. It simply means we get a chance to start over again. It's a new beginning. Big difference. It's like we get these set of spiritual batteries on the inside and we're given this power to overcome. Romans 12, 2. The J.B. Phillips version. We don't usually use this one, but it's awesome. And it talks about the due process. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God. I better read it from here in case it's a different version. We have seen God's mercy. and Yeah, yeah. And how are we going to respond with this? With eyes wide open to the mercies of God. I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give Him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to Him and acceptable by Him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold you, your minds from within, so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good. Say good meets all his demands and moves towards the goal of true maturity. I love that. And of course, the outworking of that is in Galatians 5.22. Some of the tools we'll talk about later, how to change. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is a law. You, could be, you should be like Flemington Markets. You should be like a marketeer. All these great fruits around your life. There's a vast difference and contrast with the person who lets the power of God work in his life and the person who relies on his own power. And we must remember this, C3 Tugger, that the fruit that is manifested, as I read, is manifested from within. It's allowing God within your heart. Here's one for leaders, and I'm nearly done. And can I say this? Everyone is a leader. Everyone is a leader. Miles Munro says, everyone is a leader. You're leading your life. You're leading your wife. You're leading your children. You're leading friends. You're leading others. You're leading people. No, I'm not a leader. No, that doesn't work in the kingdom. You are leading by default. People this way, south to Mexico or north to heaven. Amen. Poor Mexico got a bum rap there, didn't it? South to wherever. And I love what Miles Munro says through this. Number one, leaders expect change. Yeah, two, leaders initiate or create change. That's what we talked about, vision for a preferred future. Three, come on, leaders interpret change. Four, leaders guide change. Leaders plan and design change. <laughs> leaders prepare themselves for change. Leaders are inspired by change. Leaders grow through change. Nine, leaders benefit from change. Leaders exist for change. And a couple of other pointers. Change is inevitable. Change is necessary. Change is possible. <laughs> change is here. 
one thing you can count on on living on planet Earth is change is here. It's the irrevocable fact of life and you living on the earth. Change. We're called to rule and reign in life. Romans 5, 17. For by the trespass of that one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, say provision of grace, and of the gift of righteousness, say gift of righteousness, reign, say reign, say reign again, say rule and reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has the power to change your life. He will give you that power to get started and keep going. He will give you the power to break the chains of procrastination. Can I say this to you? If you've been unable to let go of your past, Jesus Christ offers complete forgiveness. He can put your life back together again. A little bit like Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty back together again. Well, guess what? Jesus Christ can pull your fragmented life back together. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.